Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Georgetown Hoyas basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Ben Standig from The Athletic. Um, ben, a little bit of an emergency podcast in that we were not planning to do it. Uh, news did break tonight from Georgetown that uh, head men's basketball coach Patrick Ewing has tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. Um, a couple quotes in here real quick, and then we'll start to go. Um, from Ewing, I want to share that I have tested positive for COVID-19. This virus is serious and should not be taken lightly. Um, Ewing went on, I want to encourage everyone to stay safe and take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Now more than ever, I want to thank the healthcare workers and everyone on the front lines. I'll be fine, and we will all get through this. Now, that sounds really good as far as his attitude and where he is, but the next sentence, I think, really brings a level of seriousness. If you know, Obviously, it's very serious, but the fact that Ewing is under care and isolated at a local hospital, um, he is the only member of Georgetown's program to have tested positive for the virus. So that last part that he's at a hospital rather than just quarantining um, you know, in a guest room, I feel like brings a different level to this. Yeah. Um, not, not, not excited to talk to you under these circumstances, even though we were just talking, uh, when the news broke. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, look, obviously I think, uh, I, I don't know anybody who who still isn't talking about the, the coronavirus situation at all times, even if things are becoming a little more, I won't say back to normal because that's definitely not the case, but a little more like we're a little more used to it. Um, I earlier today I had a long conversation with a friend of mine. You know, it's Memorial Weekend. Things that we're not doing. You know, how 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 concerned are we? Are we doing anything different? Are we still wiping down all the boxes. You know, are, are we, we we were imagining when would be the next time we'd be willing to go to a, sit in a bar indoors. You know, and uh, you know, trying to wrap my brain around things. Uh, hopefully getting back to normal here at some point, not today for me, but some point. And then this Patrick Ewing news happens that um, he's tested positive. I, I don't know about you. And I guess I could say I'm fortunate or I don't know that many people I'm not trying to make a joke, but like, I really don't know anybody directly in my life who's had this. I know some people tangentially friend of a friend of a friend, or they're obviously people in, in the news. I, I wouldn't sit here and say that like, I, you know, I'm not friends with Patrick Ewing. He's somebody that I cover. We're, we're, you know, we're we're friendly, and when we see each other, and you know, all that. But he may be the first person I really know who who tested positive for this. Somebody who you know it, we would see you know all the time, obviously during the season. So it, it's quite the shock to 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 hear it. And uh, you know, you mentioned the hospital part. You know, other times you hear people get this, and they say Look, they're just going to isolate in their home for 14 days you know, mild symptoms or whatever, and, you know, I'm not going to speculate because we don't know, but the fact that he's at the hospital certainly seems like a, a potentially extra step that somebody decided they wanted him to get a longer look, get extra treatment, whatever it may be. So hope, hope the best, obviously, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, th- th- this, uh, <laughs> you know, th- you know, I can't speak for everybody else, but, like, you know, for me, it remains very much first and uh, foremost in my brain about, like, you know, how we're supposed to, like, function day to day with this, uh, you know, with with this virus at any minute, consumably, you know, you know, get somebody. Yeah, um, I don't know anyone um, that has been affected directly by this. So, as you said, um, you know, we're not 
we're not friends per se with Patrick Ewing, but definitely, you know, we have relationships with Patrick Ewing. Um, I even went so far as to take my family to the, um, the Hoya Hoop Club meet the team day. You know, my son is, you know, putting his hand up, you know, next to Patrick Ewing's very, you know, NBA Hall of Fame, large hands. So, yeah, it's, you know, when I, when I saw that there was an email from Georgetown on Friday, we just got into an, we just walked up the street um, on a walk and it's just like, wait, what? You know, and I know that there's been people locally. I think you, I think you, you mentioned um, earlier when we were speaking Dexter Manley, um, I think one of the rookies on the Redskins, maybe a, like a receiver from Liberty, um, this this is happening more and more. And when you think about it like that, and then you kind of see, oh, you know, the NBA is trying to figure out a way to play games or the NHL is trying to come up with a 2014 playoff. And you're just like, you know, I don't know. It still seems pretty scary. And then something like this happens. And, you know, Patrick Ewing has been in the news a lot recently, right? He was kind of making what you would consider a little bit of a, you know, uh, a social distancing media tour with the last dance. I know he was on with Andy Katz and um, I, f- I forget who else. Maybe it was Mike Tirico or, or Dan Patrick, you know, he he's been on a lot because he's been very, very relevant. And, you know, obviously it, it looked like he'd been, you know, in quarantine, right. He had, he's had like a beard. He doesn't normally had his, he, you know, his hair was kind of growing out. So we don't know where he got it, how he got it, but, you know, it did seem like he was taking the steps. Yeah, for 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 sure. I mean, obviously, who you know, who knows what anybody is uh, was doing, and you know, even like, look, I mean, <laughs> I have been a hermit basically this entire time, other than going to the grocery. You mean store. like the entire time I've known you, or yes, par- par- partly that, but at least you would occasionally see me at something like a Georgetown game. Uh, yeah. But yes, I mean, like in in this or in like other than going to the grocery store, I haven't done anything, and. Uh, I went to my, I want the only thing I've done quote, quote unquote socially is I went out for a walk and I went to a, a different neighborhood, just to do something different. It was where near where a friend of mine lives. As I walked by his house, he was out front, like kind of mowing his lawn type stuff. So I, I talked to him and his wife for 20 minutes in their backyard, standing far away. This is the only thing I've done this whole time, but like even still, we, we, we you know, you get food delivered. Um, yeah. You know, you, you go to the grocery store, you know, you, uh, th- I mean, that's the whole, the whole thing with this whole process has been, it is so new to the scientists that nobody quite knows what, what, what to do. I, I was on the radio show earlier today um, in uh, D- with DC radio talking about um, the, the Redskins and like what might happen in terms of things like training camp. Do I think we'll, you know, have anything. And, you know, I, I was like, look, I, I don't even feel comfortable guessing. Normally when we talk about topics in sports, in life, it's things that it go like to use a football analogy. It's like the ball gets moved from the 40 to the 40 yard line. That's sort of the variance that we're dealing with. This is a topic that's so wide. I mean, it's not, I don't even know if it's goal line to goal line. I mean, the, 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 every day we hear something on the news. Oh, that, you know, the NBA wants to, um, you know, do a pod thing, but now they may, you know, now they don't know if they're going to, how they're going to pull this off. I mean, just this week, like, I mean, so what, two weeks ago, we had Val Ackerman, the commissioner of the Big East, say, she doesn't see how anything you know, the, the sports are resuming if students are not coming back on campus. Well, yeah. now this week we get Notre Dame and Syracuse at least saying that they they they're they're planning to have students back on campus in the fall. 
sounds like it would be like, at least I think in Syracuse's case, start in August and by Thanksgiving. Okay. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't even know, you know, is, it, is, that, is that viable? Is that going to work across for everybody? I talked to somebody who works in a, in a college athletics department and, you know, it's like, look, I mean, everybody, it's all over the place. Every school, every jurisdiction, every state, every city, municipality, whatever is doing their own thing. So how do you make a blanket statement across the board for any, for anything and not just for colleges, but for, you know, kind of almost for society. So yeah, the whole thing is, uh, you know, it's still so much up in the air um, with, with, with what, with what's going to happen for, for any of this, but, you know, in terms of sports, obviously, you know, we're talking about Patrick Ewing and obviously we hope he's all right. And that, you know, that, that trumps anything else, but in terms of just how to sort of process any of this, it's, I don't know. I, you know, maybe others have a better grip than me, but for me, the the level of uncertainty remains pretty uh, pretty high right now. Yeah, there's there's so much to say. Um, one of, one of my thoughts is that Patrick Ewing. First of all, the last game I covered because um, there was a Wizards game I ended up getting out of because I didn't have a car. <laughs> but the last game I was actually at and covered was Georgetown St. John's Big East tournament. And that was the night where everything kind of changed, right? That's the night Rudy Gobert came down with it and the NBA stopped all that stuff. The Big East tournament stopped the next day at halftime of the noon game. And, you know, Patrick's one of the last guys, him and Jagan came out. And um, one of the things he said at towards the end, when we were talking about your seven um, and McClung a little bit with his injury and, you know, what's, what's your seven going to, going to do. And at the time, I didn't see it ending up the way that it's and that or going the way that it's gone. But Patrick had said, and you know, what, ha- what's happening in the world might affect what your seven decides to do. Right. Cause he still had a year of eligibility. Um, you know, the thought is obviously, you know, the NBA, but if not the NBA, he's obviously, you, you know, your seven's a guy that can play overseas for probably like, as long as his body holds up. Right. He's a very skilled seven footer. And I remember in that moment thinking, yeah, I know there's something going on, but I'm sure that's not going to be that big of a deal. And my instincts were a little bit off on that. <laughs> yeah, could, could could be, could be. Um, hey, so we're doing this. We're doing this kind of, you know, well, we're obviously doing it live because when we're doing it, it's live. But I don't know if you saw the tweet from Charles Oakley. I so, did not. Charles Oakley, obviously, you know, Charles Oakley and Patrick Ewing, you kind of think of them as, you know, the backbone of the Knicks for years and years and years. And um, Oakley has been in the news a lot between Dolan and he has some comments about Ewing, but he's got a very, I went to war with you for 10 years. I won't leave you on the battlefield now. Get well, Patrick, more fights ahead. And he posted a picture of him and Patrick in their in their mid-90s Knicks Knicks uniforms that that's you know always always good to see um yeah we're I, I know we were we were trying to think I mean in terms of college basketball you know Patrick Ewing is one of the biggest names right like yeah I mean we as far were as coaches the, I mean the, yeah I mean you mean in terms of people who come down to this or just in general well, I mean, just in general, like, you know, obviously, like, if I don't I don't know who the coach at Tulsa is right now, right? Or, you know, even, you know, someone at Xavier. But, like, you know, I feel like Patrick Ewing getting this is, like, you know, 
this is like one of the one of like this is one of the big guys, right? Like it's like if you don't think um, this yeah. is a problem, Patrick Ewing is as big as you can get, pretty much. Yeah, on the pure fame meter. Yeah. Yeah. Other than you know, at this point, other than maybe Mike Krzyzewski, Patrick Ewing, I can't comprehend that anybody would be more just pure famous than 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 him in, in terms of you know the the COVID nineteen aspect. I mean, Charles Barkley, Kevin Durant were among the right. the, the athletes that got it, uh, you know, somewhat early on. And uh, but you know, obviously, you know, Tom Hanks in terms of uh, the, you know, that level. But like in terms of yeah, sports. Yeah, I mean, it, Patrick Ewing is going to be as big of a name as there is. And yes, I mean, he's. Uh, I, I mean, you know, to, I mean, to your point about the about the fame. I mean, the whole thing with regards to. Yeah, um, I I just meant the, I I just meant fame from like a for the people that. It seems to me like for most things in life, you sort of have to, if someone you know doesn't have a problem, you sort of think it's just a problem that doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? It's it's not it's not real. And I think, you know, not to make this a different podcast than Georgetown basketball, but I think for a lot of people, this would be like, wow. And like, like you said, like me and you see him all the time. We interact with him all the time. Um, you know, it's like, wow, this is this is really this is really hitting home. Yeah, I mean, I think that was like you know when when Tom Hanks had it right off the top. I mean, you really can't get much more famous than him in American society. And right off the bat, like the first celebrity that we all heard that, that had it was him. I think that definitely helped drive home the point. And you know, like you said, without turning this into a different podcast, I just think you know we've all become desensitized to this. I think just to, to, to various degrees, especially when it hasn't directly affected you. Right. Um, you know, we've all washed our hands a billion times. I, you know, I don't know what everybody's doing, but, you know, every time I go to the grocery store and bring something back, you know, the clothes immediately go in the washer. I'm, 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 I'm scrubbing down whatever I just brought. But, like, you know, you do it over and over again and, you know, to do it, you know, am I doing it as diligently as I was? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, you know, and, you know, there's some people who are, you know, way off, not worrying about it at all. The people you see walking around without masks or, or, or whatever, and yeah. So the whole process is, uh, you know, I, I think we're, I think we also remain. In, it, it's a big mystery to some degree exactly how it's all. You know, w- w- what's right, what's wrong. There's things. That we, there's some guidelines to follow. And then, like I said, uh, you know, I'm having a conversation today about trying to wrap my brain around when I think I could pop, when, you know, when things will go back to normal. And then, you know, Patrick Ewing, it, it isn't just. It, you know, I, I it wasn't just like. Hey, they announced today X amount of people tested positive in the DC area. No, it is literally Patrick Ewing. You can't get much bigger deal than that. So, you know, hopefully that'll drive the point home to people that hey, no matter what the plans are for this weekend, you know, we gotta be you still gotta be careful out there. Yeah, and I will be be anxious to get the follow up news and status of this. I know that I have um a three-year-old who I think is interested in sending a card. So maybe we can figure out where, where those should, should end up for coach Ewing as hopefully it's a speedy and very healthy recovery. Um, so obviously that's a pretty heavy topic. Um, the, I know. The, the, uh, <laughs> uh, so I was going to say, I mean, just uh, th- this is a uh, semi somewhat dopey and, and it's not self-promotion, but like literally just on Monday, well, that's what I was about we to put say. Out an article. Oh, okay, well, I was, uh, I, I, I was letting myself uh, do it so you didn't have to make the awkwardness uh, uh, transition. The, but in any event, we just okay. we just made a, we made an awkward transition so much more awkward. 
Well, I mean, have you met me before? I mean, this is what I do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's Friday night, holiday weekend. Uh, but yeah, so basically it went from, you know, we find out that Patrick Ewing's in a hospital with a very serious condition. And earlier in the week, you, you know, you and your company were out there, you know, getting Patrick Ewing's, uh, you know, um, analysis of teams you guys drafted for the athletic. Yeah. I mean, this sort of connects like all these various things that we've been discussing lately. Uh, you know, obviously like everybody else, we're trying to figure out how to fill the void of no sports and coming up with all these random topics. So the college basketball people have been doing these draftings all time teams where they have like three different writers, you know, whatever, whatever it is, UCLA, Indiana, Georgetown, and uh, uh, you know, whatever, no, just, just fun, just have fun, do whatever. Um, so they asked me to be part of it since, you know, I'm uh, somebody who pays attention to Georgetown and basically there was the only criteria was really just, it was just basically from the big John era up. That's that, that's the extent of the criteria. And uh, so, so we did it. And then the plan has been to have somebody of note from that program essentially grade the team. So Ewing was the obvious goal and he did, he did agree to, to, to talk and we can discuss which team he liked. You'll be surprised. I'm sure at which team he picked yeah, Patrick Ewing, the player, was eligible to be drafted. But in any event, so um, so we did this, and then it was going to go up a week ago, and like the day it was going to go up was the day that Mac McClung announced he's transferring. Oh, so, I totally missed that but, was happening. <laughs> yeah, so we then delayed it uh, the, the until until Monday. So it went up this Monday with Patrick Ewing weighing in on this silly exercise that we did, and now we capped the work week with this news which is obviously much more important and um yeah i mean it just you know uh you know i mean it, look this is how life works one day you, you know, life is great the next day a bad thing might happen so this isn't that crazy but you know it's just the fact that we're all connected with this whole coronavirus situation but uh yeah in any event so yeah we did this thing and patrick ewing was kind enough to part to uh participate and heckle us a little bit with our picks and then you know here we are so Obviously, if you're listening right now, it would be a great idea to sign up and read Ben's work. He does a lot of Redskins, he does the Wizards, and he he's also able to stay on top of Georgetown. So, are we are we going to give the teams away for free here, or are we able to to talk about this? Or we we can we can go through it. We can go through some of it if you want. I mean, most. So of I had a question about for you to. I had What's some that? questions about your team, and I know that oh, you. Boy. Well, you know, you've got, you know, you've got a couple years on me. So there's some players on your team that I'm not completely sure where they fit. So real quick, your starters in the backcourt, you've got John Bebe Duran, Sleepy Floyd, I guess Austin Freeman's the three, and then you've got Sweetney at the four and Alonzo at the five. Off the so, bench. So let's be clear. Let's be clear on something here, though. What? Like it was only three of us were drafting, obviously somewhat silly. The snake draft, and I had the third pick. Now, right. even though I could still get wait, who went Alonzo Mourning? Who went two? Dikembe? Oh no! Oh wait, wait, wait! No, so Iverson and Ewing went before you. Before you. So picked. Iverson went first. Ewing went second. This was a strategic call, which was a correct one by the person who had the first pick, thinking that one way or the other he's going to get right. Matumbo falling yeah. back because we're all not going to take uh, two centers, which was accurate. So, yeah, 
that by by the way, Eamon Brennan, my colleague who did that, he's the one that actually talked to Ewing and therefore had to explain to Patrick Ewing why he didn't pick him first in the Georgetown all-time draft. That must have been fun. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I can't. I can't. Yeah. So, Patrick, here's the deal. Because it was a snake draft. I I mean, uh, in in related news, Patrick graded uh, Eamon team last. So, (laughs) take that for what it's worth. So, my Um, question about about your team was, I'm just so, and then off off the bench, you have Othella, Harrington, Craig Shelton, and Mark Tillman. Um, so in your lineup is Austin Freeman basically the small forward because I'm not really I, I didn't get a chance to see John John Duran play. Yeah, so um, <laughs> you know the, the the obviously this is you know again I, I as somebody who, who takes fantasy football drafts seriously or at least he has in life I, I didn't go too crazy on this one I had a little bit of a thought I, I you know had a, had a big board and kind of organized some players in, in certain spots but. You know, I kind of thought, figured if I had the third pick and then fourth pick, it's not only am I not getting Iverson or Ewing, but, like, when you go back through the next round, I'm going to miss out on Reggie Williams. Um, you know, I, I'm going to miss out on some on Otto. guys that I would have on, – on, on, uh, Otto was, wasn't positive, but figured there was a reasonable chance he wouldn't be there. So, uh, uh so basically, yeah, I have like no no wings in the traditional sense. I have like no small forwards on the team. Craig Shelton, I think, was more of like a undersized four back in the day, but he lost the count on some level. That was, that was yeah. my other question that you just answered for me. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, anybody who's uh, you know, I don't know, of a certain age will will, will remember those guys. Uh, and, and by the way, that's one thing Ewing liked. So, you know, it's funny to think about like Patrick Ewing came to Georgetown, and while most assume. Georgetown started that day that he arrived. The program had already started to reach pretty big heights. They had reached the Elite Eight two years before Ewing showed up. John Dern was a first-round pick, uh, I believe, by the Jazz. Yep. Uh, Utah. When uh, in, in 1980, so again before Ewing arrived, and obviously Sleepy Floyd was there. And Ewing, one of the things he said to us was that, like, hey, you know, those, I, 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 those guys were awesome. That's part of the reason why I came because you know they had a, a good thing going here. Uh, so, the, so these guys were, le, were were legit. Do they? How do they fit into twenty twenty basketball? You know what do I know? But uh, you know, John Duran was really Patrick Ewing is, is is the most iconic player in program history. You know, over everybody else. But Duran's the one who was like the first, I think, kind of legitimate. Maybe he wasn't the first big DC recruit that Thompson got, but he was like the the one that the way somebody phrased it to me, like he was the Pied Piper. Once he said he was in that really opened the door to to get other guys to come to the program uh because he was legit so he was like a sort of a a a running back playing point guard is the way i remember it um and um yeah so so okay so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name all the players on every team although so you can point out anything you think is like you know you don't you think is a great picker you don't understand so one one of the first things that sticks out to me um rodney pryor got drafted <laughs> and look rodney pryor had a hell of a year okay <laughs> i think it would take me a lot more players to go before i drafted rodney pryor like for instance you know uh there's no markel starks did not get drafted uh, uh Dwayne bryant didn't get drafted i don't think i see chris wright 
did I say Jason Clark? Yeah, so Jason Clark, Markel Starks, Chris Wright, but like Rodney Pryor got drafted. Okay. So, yeah, so I this is where like, you know, the um, uh, the other two guys that, that did this with me, you know, Eamon Brennan, who's based around here, but he's not from here. Yeah. And Brian Hamilton, who's our one of our Chicago-based writers, college basketball guy, he knows his stuff, but like, you know, not from here. So obviously at some point, right, if I had to do the, the Indiana version of this or the or the uh, Kansas or, you know, some other, you know, school, Gonzaga, you know, at some point I know some things, but the rest of it I'm going to have to kind of look up, right? And you look up stats. Like, so, like you mentioned prior, like the real example for me on this was, well, I mentioned earlier that I didn't have any swing men. And also, like, other than, like, Austin Freeman, I kind of thought I was a little bit light from perimeter shooting. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sort of take a little bit of a flyer here. I'm going to draft Hollis Thompson. I, can't, I, I was just about to Hollis say, Thompson. I cannot believe you didn't draft Hollis Thompson. Like, well, when we were I, cover, like, when we were covering yeah. the team, we would always be like, look, I get the Princeton offense. I get the principles. Hollis has to shoot more. Get him shots. He doesn't miss. Yeah, this was my opportunity to right a wrong and put him in a good position where we would feed him open looks. But then yeah. he got picked the, the spot before me. But my only point is that, like, so if you're for, like, so for us, we were living at it and we remembered it. But if you're on the outside and you're looking and you see, hey, Hollis Thompson, a, a modern player, he's the all time leading three point percentage shooter in program history. Okay, I'll take that guy, right? And I think Rodney Pryor, at some level, falls into the same category. Recent player, statistically had a very big year. But if we're talking the, the way you and I would look at it from sort of a historical perspective where, you know, was Rodney Pryor, Rodney Pryor was a very good player on what was not a very good Georgetown team. What does Rodney Pryor do on a Georgetown team that has more players around them? You know, Mark Tillman was somebody I, I, I drafted. He was a very good player for four years. But it wasn't until his senior year that he really broke out offensively, part because they always had other players. Not because he wasn't good, but just there were other guys around uh, that, that limited his, um, you know, opportunities. Rodney Pryor had no had no issues there. He could get whatever shots he wanted because Georgetown just simply didn't have the pieces. So, um, you know, I, I get why somebody would do that. But, yes, when I heard Rodney Pryor, the way my brain functioned, I was like, ooh, okay. That's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so so the thing that was fun also was like you know going back and trying to determine like you know do you know I needed a three man do I take Bill Martin from those Patrick Ewing era era teams is there any possible way to get you know does Jerome Williams work I debated him but I was like oh, I can't really shoot from perimeter and that's what I needed at that top point but if I drafted a different team who knows um, I really wanted to take Michael Jackson the uh, point guard from the Ewing era as well. But, like, the, you know, if I hadn't taken Duran, he was the guy I was going to target later. But, you know, that's not the way it went. So it was definitely fun just to go through the whole exercise of, like, thinking about all of these all-time Georgetown players and and try to figure out what you would do. And I'm sure, like I said, if I was doing it with people like you and, and, and Andrew or, you know, people who are, who are about the program, not just looking up some numbers, that it would, be, it would feel different. But, but, you know, I also think those guys did a, a good job. I mean, not uh, – you know, I don't think taking Rodney Pryor is insane. I'm just saying, like, um, no, like I mean, it's not. Eight. He, yeah. I mean, statistically, he had a really awesome year, right? Yeah. Like, 100%. But, you know, like you said, like, I'm more in the weeds. And when I look at that name being on there and I look at other names that didn't make it, it's just like, oh, okay. 
that, I, I think the, 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 uh, the fun exercise, this will be if when we're in, you know, month, uh, or, you know, day, you know, 517 of this whole uh, situation is we do the draft a team, but you have to draft the guy who, who filled that role. In other words, you know, your seventh man has to be somebody who was a seventh man. And maybe that seventh man was Markel Starks as a sophomore. So you can draft Markel Starks as a sophomore while I could still draft Markel Starks as a senior. Henry, you, know, you can draft the, Henry Sims as one year or, you know, the, uh, et cetera. Or you can draft all, you know, and you can draft Ewing's four years. I don't know. You know, it's, it, no, it's funny that you say Markel Starks because this past week um, there's some account that just tweets, I guess, every day, like, this is the college basketball player of the day. And, you know, it's not related to what they did professionally, even though Markel's still playing overseas. But I saw, or they, they contacted me, and I said, oh, you know, that's cool. I'll go ahead and retweet that. And I, I just tweeted, you know, I think Markel Starks is one of the more underappreciated players in Georgetown history. And at least for my, the, like, for my numbers, that's like one of the better tweets I've had in a long time as far as like people engaging. And so that made me start to think like, oh, okay, well, that's definitely going to be a topic at some point when we run out of things to talk about is, you know, what's the most underappreciated team or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And people have, and, you know, Markel Starks last year was 2014. So he's been gone for a while. It's not like he was their best player last year and everyone is, you know, fresh in their memory. You know, you have to put some thought into it for Markel Starks. And he really, he really moved the needle on whatever day it was that, that was the topic. Yeah, I mean, he was starting, you know, he he had one of those classic college basketball runs where, you know, freshman year, you're not quite sure what you're getting, and then the incremental improvements, and then by the time he's a senior, you know, he's one of the best, you know, you can't imagine he, what how the team survives if he's not on the court. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was instrumental in, in all they were doing. And, but, it was, you know, that was, a, of course, it's around the time when things started to go south. Did he, what was it, wait, did he ever win a tournament game? I forget. I feel like no is the answer, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, so he was a freshman when Chris Wright got hurt. So they lost to VCU. That was 2011. 2000. That was 2011, 2012. Why am I drawing? Oh, no, yeah. So 2012, they beat Belmont. And then they lost okay. to NC State. And then... 13 Gulf Coast, 14 NIT. Got it, got it. I, I, I guess, I guess maybe at that point, what, what I was thinking was it was the first, you know, the Georgetown teams are typically, you know, getting into the sec, you know, doing something better. I don't know. It was, uh, it, it was starting to feel that, that, that things were going uh, in a different direction, and obviously. Obviously they did, but yeah, an, an all underappreciated team would be, uh, or you know, underrated team, overlooked team, however you want to phrase it, would be, uh, would would be good, would be good for sure. And, and he um, came, he, I mean, you know, he came pretty close to making it all four years because that 2014 team, that was the year that Winnington was supposed to be on the team. He got hurt, and then I think he got dismissed from school after Puerto Rico. Um, Josh Smith was ineligible second semester after being eligible in the first semester. And then the, the Jabril got hurt and the season kind of became DSR. 
and Starks just lighting it up every night. And they came really close to making the tournament. They failed at the end, but you know, so he was, you know, and then the, the you know, the, the next year, the program got back to, got back to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, he was almost a four year NCAA guy. I mean, that's when, you know, the program was kind of rolling and I didn't realize how much people, how much people miss him. So by the way, uh, I'm yeah. just uh, scrolling at Twitter really quick. Apparently, Seton Hall is planning in-person classes this fall. So that's at least uh, – maybe there's other ones, but for me, at least it's the first Big E school I've heard. Um, I mean, what the hell is St. John's going to do? Like, aren't they kind of right there in the middle of this? Well, so is uh, Seton Hall. I mean, New Jersey has been yeah. the second hard, uh, I think the second hardest hit state in the country uh, in terms of uh, sheer numbers. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, uh, you know, again, as somebody who, who covers the NFL and, you know, the NFL put out a schedule, everything the NFL has done is acting as, hey, they're just moving forward and they're not even hinting that things might have to change, even though we all know that they might. So, you know, I think on some level places are taking, you know, uh, are taking, I guess we've, we've gotten past the point where we're projecting confidence is no longer being frowned upon that you can say, hey, we're going to do this. It doesn't matter if, if it changed your mind in two months. Well, then the circumstances change, and, you know, what are you going to do? But right now, people are coming out and saying, hey, this is our plan. So, you know. So speaking of our plan, I'm, I'm, I'm still sort of looking over these rosters. Do we, want to, okay. do we want to be done with this, or do I still get to pick at this a little bit? If, you, if there are things in there that you would like to point out, either because I made a brilliant choice or something highly questionable, by all means, fire away. Um, not so much you. Like, when I'm looking at the way that the draft went, I don't, I don't necessarily see any glaring mistakes that you made, which I would love to find them. Or, I'll, you know, I would, I'd prefer to talk about those. Um, sure, sure. I mean, I will say this, like, you know, so part of this thing is obviously, again, this is all really silly, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're trying to think, okay, uh, trying to put together what would be a reasonable team, right? You can't just have, like, part of the reason why I would I didn't consider taking Dikembe Mutombo fourth beyond the fact that I wasn't going to, oh, to take a sleepy Floyd um, is, uh, with, with morning was, like, you know, you want to have a, a, a viable team, you know, a, a, a center, a four-man, some players that can shoot on the wing, somebody who can defend a wing, a point guard, right, all that stuff. I mean, my team, when I with, with Morning, Sweetney, and Othella Harrington is completely the opposite of where you want to be in 2020. Right. Especially the, especially the non-Morning. The other two guys, two interior bigs with minimal range, who while they did block shots based on the numbers, I don't remember them thinking like, wow, you know, the, the, their intimidators in the paint, like this isn't good. But like, here's the thing: Georgetown had such a, so many of their bigs were very similar. The, the Georgetown, I mean, you know, Roy Hibbert, you know, technically we've seen him make a three or two, but like realistically, that's not where he's at. You know, so many of their big men um, are not. You know, the, the, it's the old school. I mean, like Greg Monroe, who was drafted in here. I mean, he, Greg Monroe's NBA career has been curtailed significantly because he's not a prototype big man for the for the modern game and, and so draft these george 10 teams i had to get over quickly like okay i'm not gonna have an actual team that i would like to have out on the court we're just gonna have a bunch of guys who can play basketball and we'll have to figure it out and that's what's kind of crazy though right so 
Okay, maybe I can. So I don't really know. I was, I'm not of the age to have watched Craig Shelton play, but you almost wonder in that spot, does it make more sense to have Jesse or to have Derrickson, someone that can shoot? So I, 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 I looked this up, and obviously you're gonna have, we have to extrapolate because they didn't have the three-point shot in the Sheldon era. But he shot in the 70% range, high 70s from the free throw line. So I'm going to assume he could step it out to 20 to 18 to 20 feet okay. if, if given the opportunity. I don't remember if he had that shot. Uh, I didn't have a chance to ask uh, anybody on that. But, yeah, uh, uh, you know, what do I know? <laughs> I got some point I needed to have a, a – I mean, the fact that – me look, defensively, Austin Freeman is my three. Like, that's not exactly ideal. No offense to anybody. But, um, you know, when Georgetown was going Freeman, Clark, and, and Wright, that was, you know, a very good team. And obviously they could score, but defensively that wasn't exactly ideal. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, what, what, what are you going to do? But that's why I went Shelton because uh, I, I thought he would at least give me some uh, you know, small forward uh, option there. So I think two points. I think um, is it is it Iman? Is that, is that the way you say it? Emin. I was Eamon Brennan. Eamon. I I've, I've talked to him a lot. We had a bunch of good good conversations this year. I've known his name because he's been a national guy for a while. I struggle with pronouncing it. So he's got he's he's going for the whole the whole Larry Brown Sixers thing, right? Where you get Dikembe because you're like, look, Iverson is just iverson right and Dikembe of the hall of fame centers for georgetown right is the least least gifted offensively i think we can agree on and then again for me david wingate all i know about him is you know once he became a guy that seemed like he was included in trades a lot in the nba to make it offset like you know or you know to balance it out and then reggie williams do you feel like, you know, if you if if you were someone that followed Georgetown, you know, in the early '80s, or you know, he was there till '87, um, do you think the fact that he didn't have the NBA career, a lot of the other guys did, sort of, it's hard to be underappreciated when you win a national championship? And w- was he the was he the most valuable player? I think he was. No, you, Ewing was. I think he might have been like the CBS Player of the Game or something. But Ewing okay. was the Final Four MVP. Okay, but I feel like I feel like Reggie got a lot of I mean he you know for he got a lot of credit for that. But do you think because his NBA and his NBA career wasn't bad by the way, but because he wasn't a Hall of Famer and he wasn't a perennial All-Star, do you think he kind of gets looked at a little bit differently? Um probably. I mean, you know, obviously there, you know, not everybody gets a a team nickname after them, so Reggie and the Miracles you know, he, he had that, uh, he had that label, you know, obviously look at Georgetown, other than Iverson, pretty much all the iconic players are the big men. Right. I mean, so, yeah. uh, you know, that's just sort of how it goes at this place. And, and, and yeah, to, to a degree, right. I mean, you know, there's only, you know, when, when Ewing and John, you know, anybody who talks about the, the championship team is Ewing, John Thompson, and you know, if, if they get to somebody else, Michael Graham gets a lot of attention, Fred Brown, because of the, his whole journey. And, um, you know, you have David Wingate was in there too. So, yeah, I mean, there's probably some of that. I mean, like I said, when I went through this exercise, like I would have loved to have had Reggie Williams, but I could tell like I wasn't going to get him. Uh, I, I will say this, and, you know, then we can maybe if you want beard somewhere else, but the, his last year, that Reggie and the Miracle year, as my memory goes, 
when they got to like the NCAA tournament, as good as he was, I think Charles Smith at that moment was starting to emerge as maybe he wasn't the best player on the team, but he was really starting to be the guy that was making the plays that I almost wanted to have the ball in his hand as much or, or, or more. And then we saw what he did after that. So, um, you know, uh, that that's maybe more just me. I don't could I don't think it's faulty memory, but who the hell, who the hell knows? I don't remember what happened yesterday anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, he was a hell of a player, and obviously the pro stuff, you know, factors in a little bit. I'm sure. So, you know, he averaged ten, ten, six, twelve, six, thirteen, eighteen, seventeen. He kind of came. He kind of came to life when he was in Denver. It kind of re- rejuvenated him. I think he was playing with fat with fat lever, sixteen, eighteen, seventeen. He, he, he might have been a guy who would have been better off in the current era. I don't know what his shooting percentages were, but he could definitely shoot from outside. He just wasn't much of a wasn't the, the best athlete as far as basketball players go. So was, him slashing to the rim, as I recall, wasn't really a strength. And I think that's what got, kind of got exposed a little bit on the NBA level. Whereas in college, you know, he could score against anybody. But if he had been playing in a different you – know, in the more current era, I think he could have been a guy who stepped outside and, 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 and loaded up from three more, and then the, the relative lack of athleticism would not have been a bigger deal. Yeah, we could move on right after this. I wanted to say – or I wanted to see, can you can you guess looking at the players drafted? Uh, and real quick, I go through the other teams. So Iverson's on a team, like I said, with Reggie, with Dikembe, Wingate, Greg Monroe, Kevin Braswell, Jonathan Wallace, and Michael Jackson. And then Hamilton has Ewing, which is the team Ewing liked the most. Ewing's with Otto Porter, Jeff Green, Charles Smith, DSR, Hibbert, Hollis, and Rodney Pryor. Now, we've already said your team. Can you kind of guess which player is my my guilty pleasure player? Of of one of the players that was drafted, yeah. Just like when you look, when you look at this at these twenty four players, so you know it's not going to be Iverson. You know we're talking about like sort of like a B side track as far as the all time greats go. I mean, I've got to assume Jeff Green since he was the star of the Final Four team that you probably. Oh, no, that's that's that, that's like that's like that's like that's too mainstream. That, like that's too that's too obvious. Yeah. Uh, well, like, then Jonathan Jonathan Wallace then. Kevin Braswell. Oh. It just seemed like I mean, he was he, there. He was there forever because he started from day right. one. And, you know, he's the program's all-time leader assist. And it just seemed, I think he steals as well. It just seemed like, you know, he, they had the one run to the Sweet 16. But it just seemed like so much was asked of him. And, you know... It was it was a tougher time for Georgetown basketball, even though they did you know make the tournament and uh, I don't know. He just seemed like if he had been on a different team and here if he had had some you know different supporting cast, he seems like a guy that or you know even in today's basketball, I think he would he would have fit in pretty well. I, I I sort of just picture him freelancing a lot because of what didn't seem like a lot of offensive structure based on what was going on, so. If you, if yeah, you I mean, Kevin I think, yeah, no, I mean, Braswell was a hell of a player when, when I was looking this up. I mean, statistically for steals, I think he had like four of the top five or six individual seasons for steals in program history. He's right. way up there in a bunch of categories. The uh, only reason I sort of avoided him was I already had 
sort of uh, smaller guards kind of covered. Uh, the only question, I guess, again, as I'm trying to remember things is, was he ever one of those guys who was really good on a team that wasn't that hot, that hot? Like, how does he fit in if if you're if you've got a team that has you know as the, the Ewing era did and some of the other eras where you have some deeper rosters? But uh, yeah, no, he was a hell of a hell of a player. You know, I don't care what what's going on to put up the numbers he put up is pretty uh, pretty outrageous and and definitely uh, a, a lot of fun for 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 sure. Yeah, and you know, like I said, he did get that one run into the Sweet Sixteen, which you know that doesn't always happen, as we know. Um, do we want to do we want to at least touch on the fact that there's an obvious omission based on off the court stuff, and not even mention who it is? How how, how do we want to play that? I uh, mean, nobody drafted Victor Page. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. There's, there's a lot going on there. Well, that's why I asked. That's how, how are you supposed to say it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, there was a lot going on and, uh, you know, it was a family friendly thing and we were all writing about it and, you know, uh, for what, for what the exercise was, I don't think anybody felt like, uh, dealing with hypothetical conversations. So we all kind of just moved on. Obviously, you know, he was, you know, on the court for Georgetown. I mean, he was uh, an impressive scorer without question, uh, put up big stats, but, you know, things have gone awry from there. So getting back to Braswell real quick, really steady player his entire time. Now, the year that they did have the most on-court success and the year they were kind of the most loaded when he was there, his scoring did take a little bit of a dip. So, you know, I think you could, you could, you know, you could see how, in, on, on more talented teams, he would still find a way to fit in. His assists were still there, so he could kind of he could kind of do it all. He's probably asked to score too much too soon, just based on maybe what Georgetown didn't have at that moment. Um, I will make sure to invite you back when I have my entire hour long ode to Kevin Braswell. I, I look forward. I look forward to to, to that. Uh, I think that was also for me like sort of a part of my life where like. And maybe it's because it was Georgetown wasn't as dominant as they were, but like I don't know what exactly I was doing with my life, but I I I feel like I wasn't as like into the whole thing as I had been previously. But um, what the hell you know, were you like, doing? Who knows? But yeah, it's like when you you know when 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 the teams you root for are like these most incredible things and it's Final Fours and all that, and then you know at some point you're like, wait, they're just mortal? <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so maybe it was a little bit of that, or who knows? Maybe I was uh, you know. Living large at that point, um, at that point in life. Um, by the way, because um, uh, I'm looking, we've been talking for a while. Did you want to? Did we want to discuss uh, the Mac McClung uh, top seven list, or, or, or are we done? Again, we're now? going with. That's what I was about to do. We're going with the awkward pivot. Okay. Well, look, man. I, you know, this is what I do. Is the awkward pivot maybe what Vanderbilt fans refer to when Jeff Green hit that shot to put them in the Elite Eight? <laughs> that uh, actually, it, could, it could be. That actually came up. Uh, there was some sort of, I think it was the Vanderbilt SB Nation blog, and someone said, so, it, you know, because there's all these what-ifs right now because there's nothing real to talk about. And it's just, you know, if you could take back one moment in the last 15 years or you know, one moment from your your from your favorite team 
and it was like, oh, Jeff Green traveled. And I, I tweeted above it, and I'm like, are we seriously still doing this? So. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I mean, everybody remembers the painful ones that didn't go for your team. Everybody kind of forgets the ones that worked out for your side. That obviously yeah, thank worked you. Out for, uh, for, for Georgetown, but, uh, you know, <laughs> for Vanderbilt, yes, of course, you're going to remember, especially for a program like Vanderbilt, which has not had, you know, I mean, the success like the, the Georgetown's had. So for them to make an Elite Eight would have been, a, a you know, a, is that the all-time best team they've ever had, you know? Uh, maybe I, I don't know. So, yeah, definitely uh, a what if moment for them for that, for that quest, especially if they've gone down since. Yeah. Okay. So, McClung came out with his top seven. I'm actually looking at his Twitter page right now. I've 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 never followed him. I don't follow. I I don't know. A couple of years ago, I just stopped following the guys because I've become too old, or they've become too young, and it's just a lot of gibberish stuff I'm just not going to get because I'm old. So Mac McClung, his background picture is still, you know, he's sitting there in a Georgetown uniform. His profile picture is him in a Georgetown uniform. Um, he did come out with his top seven this week. Okay. Now we got Wake Forest. We got Texas Tech, Auburn, Memphis, USC, BYU. Oh, and Arkansas. A little surprised by this list. Um, do you want? Do you want to go first? Well, can I just say this? I just hold on. I just pulled up his account because you were mentioning it, and we, you and I, talked yesterday or whenever this came out that he, right off the bat, McClung retweeted John Morant, the Murray State guard, who's now the you know, big shot for the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA. Oh, my God. Pa- Patrick Mahomes retweeted him. That's what I'm saying. So I just looked at him. <laughs> Donovan, Donovan Mitchell is involved. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Jared Culver, because Texas Tech, he's obviously their big star. Fre- Fred Van Vliet. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> everybody's uh, trying to trying to sway their guy. Um, going somewhere. Van Vliet, I guess, is pushing for the weight. Forest job. I'm not sure if there's a connection. What the connection there is? Maybe that coach was at uh, Wichita State. I, I don't know. But um, but yeah, uh, Mac McClung getting plenty of attention from the uh, from the people. Yeah, getting the Patrick Mahomes tweet is uh, is something. And I feel like a couple people, even when McClung was a freshman, were sort of think feeling that I was overrating him as far as not not a player. And by the way. He ended up being a better player at Georgetown than I thought, just based on the high school league he was in. I was very skeptical as to how that would translate into the Big East. But my point was when Zion was a freshman, that, you know what, Georgetown's got a guy that, you know, college basketball doesn't have the star power it used to. He's kind of one of the guys. And I usually would get, you know, negative reactions to that. But how many other college basketball guys could transfer and Patrick Mahomes would retweet them? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely uh, – McClung stands out in a variety of ways. The athleticism is obviously impressive. The dude could score. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he – it 
look, anybody who's trying to build a brand, I mean, I guess technically that's what I'm trying to do as a writer, and the idea of getting people to give a crap about you is very difficult, and that he's able to break through on some level, uh, you know, in, in that space and get and get that says a lot. And, you know, this has nothing to do with winning basketball per se. It has nothing to do with whether, you know, ultimately why did he leave and what is Patrick Ewing, you know, what was the, the role that Georgetown coaching staff had in that, you know, whether it was nothing or, you know, whatever. Um, that That's relevant to that. But in terms of like, you know, some level of cachet for, for the program, yeah, I mean, uh, McClung, McClung had had some of that for for sure, and you know now we would be going into his last two years. You know, again we talked before about Markel Starks, you know, sort of the the typical growth you see of a guy over four years. McClung wouldn't have the typical growth because he already came in scoring at a pretty good clip. But like if he improves, you know, we saw Jagan Mosley improve this year. If he improves, I mean, you know, we're talking all you know some form of all Big East level performer uh, for sure. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 well, whatever. We don't have to get into all that, but yeah, in terms of who McClung is, it's fascinating to see all these other guys giving a crap <laughs> about uh, about it. And, and by the way, like I, I would imagine that at least in some of these cases, somebody at these schools said to these guys, "Hey, could you do us a solid and like tweet something about this kid?" And that they were, you know, that, that somebody may have said that and that they're willing to do it. You know, also says something about him as a recruit. These are not necessarily. The, the the most high profile of, of the power conference schools, even though there's a couple that have been to Final Fours recently, but you know th- there's some there's some fun schools in here for sure. So uh, you know, good 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 for McClung. Okay, so do we want to give our school? We, so we we can do a couple of ways. We can we can predict where he'll go. We can predict or not predict, but we can say which we think is the best fit, and we could say which we think is the why is that one of the schools on the list. All right, pick a category. I'm going to start out with, and I'll I'll give my answer. May, yours might be the same. Is the school that sticks out to me the most is Texas Tech from a really? This doesn't seem like a fit for him at all. Just because, you know, Beard's got, I mean, shoot, they almost won a national title. Um, they're kind of known for defense. Uh, you know, maybe with a year off, McClung, you know, reinvents his game. He focuses on defensive positioning, uh, you know, giving effort there um, as long, you know, as well as, you know, maybe trying to transition more of a point guard, but that school kind of sticks out to me as really. Yeah. I can't remember if we just, we, we made this joke on, uh, on the podcast or on the side, but like, you know, the idea of like, say, you know, because McClung, Virginia kid, you know, could you imagine if he ended up in Virginia, it would be like the antithesis of what they I do said that, what yeah. he does. Yeah, 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 and so because like, you know they're all known for all defense, and McClung is you know sort of the opposite end of that spectrum. Texas Tech feels very similar to that type of to that type of team. So I'm I'm with you that one. And this is not. I mean I I I don't not positive on their roster or the other roster. So maybe there's you know maybe there's a, a, a big need for scoring in the backcourt, and he fits that. He would fill that hole. But yes, on the surface, that seems like a very peculiar fit. For what it's worth, I heard that obviously he's on the list you know sometimes these schools are on the list but like whatever the, uh, from what i heard that they definitely are, are, are trying to trying to get him so i and look the, 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 the that's what i'm saying about the patrick mahomes uh and garrett culver tweets that that doesn't just patrick mahomes didn't randomly wake up one day and decide to tweet about mac mcclung 
So uh, I think there's, I think they definitely, uh, they definitely want him. I mean, I've never been to Gate City, and I've never been to Lubbock, Texas. You hear a lot of jokes about when there's a big game, when the, you know, when there's a big football game on ABC um, from Lubbock when they were kind of a thing for a while about how difficult it is to get there. It's in the middle of nowhere. So obviously that wouldn't be a problem for McClung. I'm assuming, you know, he's used to that smaller-ish area living. But yeah, the fit there is just kind of, just kind of where. Um, how about where we think he fits the best? Do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go Wake Forest. Again, uh, this is not based on having done tons of research off of their uh, roster, but brand new, brand new coach coming in, you know, I think that's going to open, you know, when when a new coach comes in, you know, it doesn't mean all the players that are there are out the window, but it doesn't, you know, new is what's interesting to, to that guy for the most part. Wake obviously has not been that impressive. So, you know, I think, uh, that one seems like a pretty interesting one. I mean, it's not you know, geographically; it's not terribly far away from where he's from. It's an ACC school. It's not obviously Duke or Carolina, but whatever. You're you're in that you're in there. So I think Wake would be a pretty interesting one. I mean, you know, look, if, he, if we we talk more about this in the other podcast, but about you know him wanting to get to the NBA, you can you can do that at any of these schools. But like, look, the ACC is obviously typically year after year this place that has the you know, sort of the top prospects at that level. So it would certainly make a lot of sense from that perspective to test yourself uh, as well. Yeah, I think this is a hard one. I think I can make a lot of, you know, USC is, you know, it's USC. Um, oh, you said the other day, who, what player better represents a Dunk City type vibe than Andy Enfield, the coach, the former yeah. Gulf Coast coach now at USC, than Mac McClung? Right. I mean, that would, and be, that would be, you know, if he wants to really become a Georgetown heel, that would be, that would be quite the move. Um, yeah. Arkansas is kind of crazy just because Georgetown, you know, if you think, you know, if, if McClung left because there's too many point guards, Georgetown just brought in a grad transfer point guard from Arkansas. So McClung would be going there basically to fill that position that just, you know, came to Georgetown. Part of me, though, just thinks that, and I don't watch a whole lot of SEC basketball, but Bruce Pearl and Auburn, I just feel like there's a lot going on down there. Um, you know, it's it's going to be an exciting level of, or an exciting style of play. You know, Auburn is always getting on probation for football. The SEC, you know, that to me is it's obviously not in the wild west but i feel like that's sort of the wild wild west of of college basketball if that makes any sense and i don't know i i i really can't believe mcclung's transferred out a year which i assume he's gonna have to do of course there might not be a season but that place i think is just like okay sure just roll the dice man but 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 by the way, uh, we don't have to get into this now. But uh, your your friend Casual Hoya may be on a Twitter war by the time we get off this. Uh, by the time we get off this podcast, I'm just going to say, <laughs> with who? It's not with me. No, with the with the person that we were discussing before the podcast started. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> people can go. People can go check that out later. Um, you know, I think Auburn makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't remember. I, I know when we talked in the previous podcast like like 
I think Tennessee was mentioned because sort of geographically they might be closest to where where his home was from. But like you know, Auburn, even though they recently made a Final Four, and Bruce Pearl's a, a good coach, obviously, yeah, it feels like McClung is a type of like combo scoring guard that 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 would that would fit with what Bruce Pearl does, and uh, that you know I could see him wanting to take a take a flyer with a guy like McClung. So sure, I mean, I, I, a lot of these schools would make a lot of sense. Like you know, Memphis would be interesting with with the, with the Penny Hardaway type that goes there. You know, uh, you know, it feels like there's, you know, if it, like let's put it this way: if we're talking about why do people like Omer Yurts have the might, why might they be interested in Georgetown? Because Patrick Ewing is on the NBA, great, and if you're a big man, why would you want to learn from him? Mac McClung and Penny Hardaway are very different type of guards, but Penny Hardaway made the NBA, right? He was a a, a point guard, and you know, whatever, you know. So if you're gonna have, if you're gonna play that game, why wouldn't it work on that front as well? So. You know that that could make sense to to go play with a guy in Penny Hardaway who literally got where you want to go. It would be crazy if he went from one NBA coach to the next, right? Yeah, without without a question. You think that's a well? I guess you know. I'm sure some people have that. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you're very interested in Georgetown basketball, and we love you for listening to it. So you're probably maybe a little bit sick of hearing about McClung. I think the last time, well, that's not true. <laughs> there, there's there's always going to be a next time to talk about him, I suppose. But the next time of any substance would be when he decides where he's going. Right, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a totally reasonable point. And then, you know, obviously, as you know, in this fantasy world where there's sports again and things happen again, I'm sure it'll be brought up from time to time, depending on how he does. Um, you know, so I'm not going to say it's the last time we ever talk about him, but you know, it's, it's definitely winding down, but yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't changed his, you know, he seems to be very media savvy, you know, he's got an agent or I guess they can't, he can't be as officially his agent anymore now that he's withdrawn, but I'm surprised someone like him would keep his stuff up, Georgetown still. That's just a little surprising to me. I guess. I mean, you know, it's the most recent stuff he has playing basketball. So, you know, if you want to show that, you know, this is who I am, you know, you, you got to wear the basketball gear. But, you know, it doesn't say he plays at Georgetown anymore. So <clears throat> it is what it is. Um, do, you, do you have anything else or should we should we get into the, the Twitter war that's happening or should we just call it a happy Memorial no, Day weekend? No, I, I yeah, I think I think we've said enough. I mean, I, I I'm sort of surprised we showed a full hour. I don't know if we filled it good, but uh, we 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 talked for over an hour. Uh, you know about you know 75 percent silliness and one thing that's very important. So um, yeah, if you've made it to uh, the end of this podcast again, I think it's important to say you know a very serious thing Patrick Ewing is going through, and you know we obviously want to wish him the best. Um, you know often sports you get focused on talking about oh they should have done this they you know they should have run this play or they should have recruited this kid or they should have done this but you know like you said we've had the chance to get to know Patrick Ewing the person and this is a very very serious thing that we hope he recovers from very soon absolutely best to him and uh you know uh yeah just a crazy world we continue continue to live in um without a question all right ben I well I, I still think it's hilarious that patrick ewing graded 
a silly draft and that he picked the team that he was on and that somebody had to explain to him that he wasn't the first pick. That I mean, that, that that's really just – I'm you, so glad. The one time I'm glad I didn't get to talk to Patrick Ewing, this is, one, this is that time. Do you think he understood the idea of – like the idea behind it? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. I, I think it was discussed. Because the the, the the discussion is part of the article, and I would say go go read that. But no, I, I would imagine he's not going to get that. Why would he? I mean, you know, it's one thing, you know, to, that he comes in second to Michael Jordan throughout his career. That's one thing to come in, quote unquote, second on a Georgetown draft. That that doesn't matter what the rules are. Even if the rules are with the first pick, you have to pick a player whose initials are AI. It still wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, I'll. You know, <laughs> everyone go out and join the athletic. You can follow all of Ben's. We can read all of Ben's work there. You can follow him at his name at Ben Standing. Um, I'm Bobby Bancroft. And don't worry, we will find a reason to get back together very soon and discuss, hopefully, just hypotheticals to get you through this pandemic. Bye, Ben. See ya.